0: This is a download from BFM eighty nine point nine, the business station.
1: My mum was the one who introduced me to your books. And I had bought her a Kindle for her birthday and I had registered, I had given her my account. So I I told her, you know, here's my username and password. You can just use my account to buy stuff. So, And you can also read all of my books. And literally, I'm not joking, within five minutes, I get all of these emails. And I got like 15 emails because there were 15 Lee Child Jack Reacher books. And I was like, I was like, I was like, mom, did you buy all of these? I said, you have all of them. You have the physical copies. And she's just like, yeah, but now I can carry them around with me wherever I go. (laughs)
2: Well, that's great, and it just shows you you should always listen to your mother.
1: (laughs) Absolutely.
2: Hi, this is Lee Child. I'm a novelist of the Jack Reacher series, and my new book, Night School, is out right now.
1: And this, of course, is Bookmark with me, Uma Pagan Ampake Pagan, and on the show today is, well, Lee Child. So Lee, I just caught Never Go Back, and Tom Cruise is really growing on me as Reacher. Being a fan of the books, I too got caught up in that initial conversation about the physicality of the character, but but Tom Cruise is such a foreboding presence and makes up for his lack of height. Well, how have you felt about that, by the way?
2: Well, you know, we went through exactly what you just went through too, is that at the beginning, for years really, we were automatically thinking we need a giant actor uh, to play Reacher. And of course, there aren't any giant actors. Cinema's are 100 years old, and uh, there have never been any huge actors. In fact, most actors tend toward the small. There must be some kind of technical or evolutionary reason for that. And so for a long time, we were stalled, uh, thinking, of who are we going to get? And then we had a sort of breakthrough, thinking, well, look, let's just forget the exact physical replica, and look for an actor good enough to bring out the inside of Reacher, uh, bring out the internal vibe, and put it on the screen, and of course Cruz is, whatever else he is, he's a really fine actor, and he can do that. And. So I think even I was surprised at how well he did it. Um, with the first movie, it was weird for the first few minutes, um, thinking, oh, wow, Tom Cruise is playing Jack Reacher. <laughs> but then you very quickly got into it, and it seemed to work. And the second one, I agree with you, is that he, you know, he's got it even more. He's, he's got it even better. He's, he's very menacing, which is um, quite a feat for... A matinee idol, really, who, you know, normally trades on being extremely attractive and approachable.
1: And, and you know what else is great about Cruz as as an actor is that because he is because he is who he is, it allowed Kobe Smulder's character to kick ass. Mm-hmm. He didn't need that limelight. She really stole a lot of it.
2: Yeah, didn't she? He was very generous about that. Correct. Um, he was, uh, you know, literally as they were going along, he was saying, oh, well, Kobe should have this bit or Kobe should have that scene. And um, I thought that was a mark of his, his his maturity as a man. You know, it's not about his ego. He was looking for the best for the story and also doing um, the best for his, his uh, the rest of his cast. And it was very important because really technically in terms of storytelling the movie would fail if Kobe was not good. Uh, but she was great. And therefore, the uh, the movie held up.
1: Rita works really well for the screen. And, and that's primarily because your books have such tremendous momentum. And I'm curious, though, have, there've only been two, but have the movies changed the way you write in any way? Because I have this, I have this notion that Somehow Hollywood changed the way J.K. Rowling wrote those last few Harry Potter books. I don't know if that's true, but I'm always wondering if it has any effect on an author when the movies are so successful.
2: Well, I, I would say that you could pick out examples where that has happened in the past, either movies or TV series, and, and the original book author has kind of come around in a circle to approach it. But I don't think so with me. I mean, I, I, I by the time the first movie came out... I'm. I was sort of 17 or 18 books into the series. It was pretty fixed and solid in my mind. And um, also, I'm very aware that the two things are completely separate. They're not sequential. They're much more parallel. The book exists and the movie exists. The movie does not replace the book in any way. It doesn't supersede it. It just exists alongside it. And therefore, I'm comfortable with the idea of there being a book-reacher and a movie-reacher.
1: Oh, thank you so much for saying that. I I totally agree. I think, I think great films and great adaptations tend to be supplemental to the literature.
2: Exactly. They are not... Uh, it's not a question of it's not like a, a, um, a pupa becomes a moth or you know a chrysalis becomes a butterfly. the two things exist in perpetuity together.
1: Your story as in as in your journey in literature you know losing your job sitting down and writing that brilliant thriller becoming a huge global phenomenon yes, it didn't happen overnight but but your story kind of gives hope even false hope to all those wannabe thriller writers out there and I'm curious what's the what's the industry like? now? Since you started writing 21 books ago, what's that thriller industry? Because it feels like it must be so cutthroat. Well,
2: well it's. Um, I mean, I don't think cutthroat is the right word because nobody is, is cutting anybody's throat. <laughs> right? Nobody is being hostile or, or overtly competitive or mean to one another. In general, thriller writers or crime writers are the nicest people you could meet very friendly, very helpful, very supportive. There's very little rivalry or bitching going on. But there's no question that the industry as a whole has gotten a lot tougher. Um, as you said, I was not an overnight success. You know, people people forget that in retrospect. They think it happened right away. Got off to a solid start, and then it built and it built and it built over many years. Um, you know, probably eight or 10 years before I became a household name. So the question is, now, would you get eight or 10 years? And I'm not sure that you would. I think you'd get two or three, or three or four at the very most. It's become a little more short-term, it's become a little more desperate. Uh, The patience and the long-term development is no longer there because everything is just a little tighter, just a little bit more urgent.
1: There seems to be this urgency with every publisher out there, every agent out there looking for the next Lee Child or the next James Patterson or the next Stephen King.
2: Yeah, and they're there somewhere and they will be found and they will succeed. Um, I don't think it's ever a problem for, for the people that are going to be the big names. I think they're fine. It's that middle that is the problem, um, what we call the mid-list people that are either on a long, slow journey upward or people that have found a level which is kind of useful but unspectacular. They're the people under threat.
0: In the morning, they gave Reacher a medal. And in the afternoon, they sent him back to school. The medal was another legion of merit, His second. It was a handsome item, enameled in white, with a ribbon halfway between purple and red. Army Regulation 600-8-22 authorized its award for exceptionally meritorious conduct in the performance of outstanding services to the United States in a key position of responsibility, which was a bar reacher felt he had cleared, technically. But he figured the real reason he was getting it was the same reason he had gotten it before. It was a transaction, a contractual token. Take the bauble and keep your mouth shut about what we asked you to do for it. Which Reacher would have anyway. It was nothing to boast about. The Balkans, some police work, a search for two local men with wartime secrets to keep. Both soon identified and located and visited and shot in the head. All part of the peace process. Interests were served, and the region calmed down a little. Two weeks of his life. Four rounds expended. No big deal.
1: So I'm curious, though, Lee, as in what you think it was about your books. Because it wasn't that, you know, book 10 and 11 came around and suddenly the character had a magic spark. No, that spark was there all the way from Killing Floor. It was there. And Mm. so what was it that kept Reacher relevant and also engaging to this horde of thriller readers?
2: Well, I think, you know, definitely it's the character. It's always the character. There are almost no books that are remembered simply for a plot or a plot device. Um, It's always about the characters being compelling. And it's kind of you to say so, and, and let's hope it's true, that Richard was um, compelling from the start. Then it becomes a problem of just waiting until you're discovered by a critical mass of people, which tends—it's almost a mathematical thing. As soon as you reach a certain level of, of numbers, then it becomes self-sustaining. You know, it's called discovery, and you've just got to wait for it to happen. And that's what's under threat at the moment. How long can you afford to wait? Um, it can take years. Some people get lucky very quickly. Some people do it within three or four books. Others take longer. Uh, it's a question, of, are you going to be um, supported long enough for it to happen?
1: No, and, and you're right. He is he is incredibly compelling as a character. I mean, I'm a baby when it comes to reading fiction. I love characters like Jack Reacher, The Dark, Mysterious Stranger, Tireless, Never giving up, he's indestructible. For me, he's a superhero, not just a hero. He is just like any one of those Avengers movies or what we read in superhero comics. But, but I'm curious though, how difficult it is to keep someone like that so compelling? Because God knows, comic book writers find it very difficult to keep Superman compelling.
2: Yeah, I mean, um, Superman's problem is that he's super. You know, he's too good. He has, yeah too good you have to find you have to sort of manufacture enemies that are are plausible for him, which is difficult to do um, i think reacher is is part of that tradition but also uh, a descendant of a much earlier tradition, really stretching back thousands of years of the knight errant, the mysterious stranger who shows up and solves a problem and then rides off into the sunset and that character has appeared and reappeared regularly for for hundreds or thousands of years in all cultures um you know reach for instance would be very much part of the japanese ronin tradition same sort of thing it it appears in every culture which must mean that we crave a person like that we want him uh, we need him Uh, we would either like to be him or to know him and so, in a way, I'm lucky that he chimes in with with an ancient tradition that is already successful,
1: and more so in in today's world. I think where we feel at a loss and often powerless to solve the world's problems, I think that explains the appeal of Liam Neeson in Taken or Denzel Washington in The Equalizer, and this kind of real hero fiction.
2: Absolutely, I think those are are very very dramatized, uh, very high-concept versions of what we all want all the time, Um, because in our normal daily life, we're constantly beset by frustrations and annoyances and things that are wrong, and there's nothing much we can do about it because we lack the power, we lack the individual capability, or it's it's a work problem where you, you can't speak out without getting fired, or or something, and it, it introduces a kind of low-level frustration and misery into everyday life. Nothing is satisfactory. Nothing is ever solved or fixed. And so naturally we turn to fiction to get it. Uh, that's what fiction is for, I think, um, to give us what we can't get in real life. And so the answer to problems is something that is hard to get in real life, and we love to see it happen on the page where chaos is reduced to order, where injustice is made just. We love to read that because it's consoling, it's empowering, and it's reassuring.
1: So that being said, though, writing 21 books about the same guy, are there still things about Jack Reacher that you don't know?
2: Oh, certainly. And I think that's also true to life, that you can have friends for all your life and you never will really know everything about them. Uh, it's a long, slow process. We find out things about each other slowly over many years. And it's the same thing for me as a writer, and it's the same thing for the reader, that they, they're going to find out things little by little over the years.
1: Does Lee Child have rules like Elmore Leonard had rules?
2: Um, I, Yeah, sort of. I mean, I'm not quite <laughs> as explicit as Elmore because you know, and some of those rules were. Oh, he was
1: incredibly um, cheeky with those rules.
2: Yeah, and <laughs> I, I mean, I think it had to be tongue in cheek. He says never use an adverb. <laughs> That's well, right. Never is an adverb. <laughs> uh, you know, so there was a slight artifice about that. I, I know the point he was trying to make, and the, the, the points he was trying to make are really good. My rule is always think like a reader. Unfortunately, I do that automatically because I am. 100 times more of a reader than a writer. Uh, I write one book a year. I read hundreds of books a year. And so I'm always thinking like a reader. It's not about me. It's about what does the reader want? What does the reader need? Um, In general, plus in every paragraph, what does the reader need? What is the reader going to enjoy? And I never have a plan or an outline when I sit down to write a book because I want the same sensation that the reader gets. You know what it's like when you get home from work, you pick up your book, you cannot wait to find out what happens next. That's how I want to feel when I sit down to write it. I can't wait to find out what's going to happen today. And so I think that would be my one rule. It's not about me. It's about the reader.
1: Is that how you work? You haven't figured out the ending? Or do you have everything worked out when you sit down to start?
2: I have nothing worked out, (laughs) literally nothing. People say, what, you don't know what's going to happen in the next chapter? I say, I don't know what's going to happen in the next line.
1: And speaking about finding out what's going to happen next, I think, and I'm not just saying this because I'm speaking to you, I think Night School is one of my favorites of Jack Reacher so far. I've read them all, and only because I think the plot is ingenious. I I didn't see it coming. And it's also of scale, right? The, The scale is much Bigger,
2: yeah. I mean, the the I was I was interested in 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 that period of time. It's a prequel set in 1996 because that time the Cold War was over and we had understood the Cold War. Um, we knew what it was. It was one nation and another nation, and it would involve physical things like fleets of aircraft and tanks and and millions of soldiers. And we knew the geographic locations. And we had gamed it out a thousand times. It was a known quantity. And then that came to an end. And there was a period when something new was starting up that we did not understand. We had no idea what was, what was happening. We didn't know who the people were or where they were or what they wanted or why they wanted it. It was a, a period of, of starting over where nothing was certain. And yet it was still at a time when all that Cold War stuff was left over. And the budgets and the paranoia had been so immense during the Cold War that there was literally the world is littered with weird stuff that is still around, and so that was the point of the book. We are heading into a new situation, but we've got old stuff hanging over us.
1: Yeah. No, I, I really, really enjoyed it. It was such a thrilling read. But on that note, what kind of thrillers does Lee Child read?
2: Oh, I read everybody. I, I'm I'm an insatiable reader, and I uh, I love. Practically anything. I don't read a lot of science fiction, and um, that's about all. Other than that, I'll read I'll read anything at all, and I'll, I'll I'll. There's no such thing as a bad book. You will. There's something to learn from any book, even even if it's a negative lesson. You'll still learn something.
1: So Lee, my last question to you, and only because I I feel the need to ask everyone this question right now. But you, of course, are a British export to the United States, and I just I just wanted your thoughts on. America and Trump. You must have been there when all of this was happening.
2: Yeah, I was there last week. And, um, well, there's there's lots of aliens in New York. Tra- so we, we're all sort of in the same boat. And New York is a different kind of uh, environment from the rest of America, which is what makes it sort of hard to understand. You know, in New York, I think the vote was somewhere between 80 and 90 percent for, for Hillary, whereas nationwide, of course, it wasn't. And I, I was left with the same feeling as a Brit that I, was, uh, I had after Brexit, which is that this is a crazy decision, but I can sort of understand the inarticulate, incoherent frustration that led to the decision. Um, you know, the, the American economy is huge and it's um, powerful, but it does not work for everybody. And the people that are being left out at the moment are intensely upset about it.
1: Lee Child, thank you so much for your time.
2: Yeah, real pleasure talking to you. Thank you.
1: Lee Child's Jack Reacher novels are incredible reads. The 21st book in the series is out now. It's called Night School, and you can find it at all good bookstores. This is Bookmark on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9.